Well, it is a new season here at Calvary Chapel Limit, and, and I don't want you to be scared by that. I don't want you to be frightened by that. Um, new seasons come, and, and there's great things that happen with a new season. But sometimes, sometimes that transition uh, between the seasons can be a little bit uncertain. It can be a little bit chaotic, right? Uh, we were all getting ready for the warm weather. We were excited maybe to see some of our trees budding and blossoming. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the instability of seasonal change, right? Snow comes down, everything's frozen. What a bummer, right? But, but, just because things sometimes can seem a little bit uncertain, sometimes things can seem a little crazy, it doesn't mean that good things aren't coming. Definitely, I think it's easy to see here at Calvary Chapel Emmett, and in, in Emmett, good things are coming. The opportunity that we have right now to look at this season of change, to take stock of where we've come in a, in a year. If you remember, it was, it was almost one year ago today that the wheels started to fall off of the whole world. Remember that? Things started to change. The news broadcast started to get um, you know, more frequent, more obnoxious. All of a sudden, new rules are coming down, and we're not allowed to go here, and we're not allowed to go there anymore. And that put a strain in our own community and in our own church. What should we do about this? And ministry began, uh, be became uncertain. Should we go to this place? Should we not do that event? What do we do with this and that? And then lockdown. No church. What do we do with that? Are, are we supposed to submit? Are we supposed to stand up and fight? What do we, well, we, made, we decided to make an investment in technology to continue to serve the word of God to you as much as we possibly can. But that, of course, comes with burden because if you've ever put computers together, you know, <laughs> there's a lot that, was, that went into all of that e even during that time. And distance learning. Wasn't that fun? Didn't you guys love that? Parents, you guys all dug that, right? Imagine what the teachers at our school felt, went through, experienced. And the administration, as they tried to navigate something that the world hadn't seen in a hundred years. Our school administration, unfortunately, our, our, we had a wonderful uh, principal, Mindy Pepper, who during that same time, she had to step down because of personal health reasons. And it's like, Lord, it's COVID. We can't lose a great principal right now. She's a rock star. God, what are you doing? <sighs> and that was just May, you know? So, I mean, we could keep going. We keep marching through the rest of the year. But, um, but it has been quite a year, hasn't it? It's been quite a year. A lot of low lows, but also some really high highs, too. Some really incredible things because in spite of all that we have gone through in the last year, we've seen God do some really incredible things. Do any of you remember Easter? Were you in your car? When we, when we piled up 260, 70, whatever vehicles out there at the old mill, do you remember the chorus of horns? This city hasn't seen noise like that, not even on a Friday night at, at a Huskies football game. I mean, the noise, that, that shout of those horns that went up for Jesus as we worshiped together, as we gathered together, as we prayed, and we honked amen together. That was a great, great time. The, the, the miracle of, of, 
of being able to share our message of the gospel worldwide in a greater way, uh, sharing and sending the gospel out with so many more people. We have people who are watching, logging on, listening all over the world, gang. South America, Europe, the Middle East even. People are hearing the gospel. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I could continue. I could go on with, with some of the other... Oh, pff, the building. Hello. You know, the thing is, is just, just like Mike was, was saying, you know, like, banks didn't get it. They were scared. Why would they help out a church who didn't have anyone sitting inside of it? If there's no one sitting in the chairs, how are we going to reach in and pull the money out of your pockets, right? That's what they're thinking. They didn't realize that banks are funded by, or that, that churches are funded by God. That God would continue to provide, and he has. He provided for this church, and he did that in many ways. He did that through your guys' obedience to continue to give, not to what we're doing here, but to what God is doing in this town and around the world. We were able to continue ministry throughout the world. We were able to continue to support Pastor Jesse um, in Homer, Alaska, as he tries to share the gospel, as he tries to share the word of God in one of the darkest corners of our nation during one of the darkest times in our nation. We continue to support missions all over the world. And just because we weren't able to send our, our, our youth teams or send um, uh, uh, an adult team to places like Mexico or Africa, we were still able to send blessing. We were still able to send support. We've been able to do some really incredible things in spite of all of the, the, the difficult things that have been happening. And so it's been exciting. <sighs> but it's not been easy. And as we look forward to this new season and the opportunities that lay in front of us and how things seem to be changing um, and how things seem to, in small ways, be getting back to normal, if that's a thing anymore, the opportunity for a building to bring the community in and allow the church to grow, serve more people, save more souls. We're excited about that, but, but gang, it's not going to be easy. Martin Luther, one of the great um, church leaders during the time of the Reformation. He, he took the, the Bible and he translated it into the common language so that you and I, so that, so that men and women, the common people, could actually read the Word of God for themselves. He was a revolutionary. And he knew a little bit, of, he knew a little bit about opposition, spiritual warfare. He said this, he said, when Satan cannot suppress the preaching of the gospel by force, he tries to accomplish his purpose by striking the ministers of the gospel with poverty. Satan knows that the gospel is coming out of our church family. Satan knows that God is doing great things through, through you guys. And he can't stop it. And so, what does he do? He tries to strike down the ministry. The ministers, excuse me, the ministers. And minister means servant, right? Obviously, Pastor Mike and, and, and Shannon and, and all that they do to serve and have been serving for so long. Did Satan attack them? Absolutely. They've been through it. 
But I know they're not the only ones. I know they're not the only ones because I see your guys' prayer requests come through. I get a chance to talk with you guys and hear what's going on in your lives and see the difficulties that are happening. I've experienced it in my own life as well. And there's not a person on staff here that hasn't. Because the truth is, gang, we are all, so many of us here are in ministry. Yeah. Satan wants to, Satan wants to strike the ministers of the gospel. Even you, children's ministers. Even you, youth ministers, even you, uh, uh, greeting team, even you, coffee cart, even you, cleaning ministry. Those of you who serve for the purpose of the furtherance of the gospel, I know that Satan has been after you. I know that your your life, your, your existence here has not been easy. I know that you've been going through some stuff. And so, as we look forward to this, this new season, and again, you know, Mike's not going anywhere, but as we look forward to this new season where all kinds of opportunity and promise await us, I think it's important that we take just this day, and it's going to be kind of a short message because this was a long thing, but I think it's important that we take just a few minutes this morning to understand, to discuss spiritual warfare and what that means and looks like in our lives. And so if you will, please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And once you're there, if you're able, would you please stand? We're going to read through just verses 12 through 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. As he wraps up this letter to Timothy, has a very important encouragement to give him. Starting in verse 12 of chapter 6, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold onto eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What's the struggle really about? What are the difficulties in your life really about, Christian? Is it worth the fight? Is it worth serving? Is it worth preaching the gospel if things are going to be difficult? He says here in in verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Now that's, to me, it almost seems foreign to, to encourage fighting because as a dad, that's like the thing that I'm not trying to encourage, right? Would you please stop fighting? Would you guys please just stop fighting? Even, you know, working with people sometimes, you know, here at church, you guys, guys, no more fighting. We're trying to get, you know, couples to stop fighting. I'm trying to stop myself from fighting with my wife. Sorry. (laughs) But Paul here says there is a fight that is good. 
the good fight. It's the fight of faith. It's the fight of faith, he says. We lay hold to eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is the confession that you confess in the presence of witnesses? What is that? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. He talks about verse 13, I urge you in the sight of God who gives all life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. When Jesus was arrested, he was, he was taken in before Pontius Pilate. Pilate says, what are you doing here? Are, are you a king? Is that what they've arrested you and, and brought you in here because you're the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, is that what you think? Tell me, is that, are those your words or did somebody put those words in your mouth? And Pontius Pilate, you know, he, he begins to argue with Jesus and he's, and he's utterly confused by everything that's going on. And Jesus begins to talk to him about truth. And Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He didn't get the gospel. But it's our commandment. Verse 14 says, It's our commandment that without spot and blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, that that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be about the gospel. We're supposed to be about that good confession. Without spot, blameless, without regret. And I know that you've got some. I know that I've got some too. There are times where I regret that my actions or my words didn't didn't preach the gospel. I know there were times where I had opportunity to share the love of Christ and I didn't. And so his encouragement here is, his encouragement here is, keep it, keep going on. Keep sharing the gospel until Jesus Christ appears. And you will see Jesus, brother and sister. You will see Jesus. And he'll manifest that in his own time. In other words, he's got everything under control. He's got everything under control. Even in the midst of all of the difficulties that we've been going through, or even in the midst of all the struggles or the, or the fights that I've been having, yeah, yeah, he's got everything under control. The things that you have faced in your life over the last year, the circumstances and the struggles that have been specific to you that maybe you've not even told anyone about, he knows. He knows. And he is still in control. It's a fight worth fighting. The fight of faith. But how do we fight that? How do we go about that? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. This is also Paul writing as he's wrapping up a different letter, only this letter to the church in Ephesus, the Ephesians. In fact, this letter is directed towards the, the elders or the pastors, the leadership of the church there in Ephesus. And so what they would do is the, the elders, the pastors, they would get the, the letters here and they would read it, they would discuss it themselves, and then they would share this with the body. They would read the letter with the congregation. And so it's an encouragement to all of us. But in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, 
as he's wrapping up his letter, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Things are going to get difficult, and you will need more strength than you have. In verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord. If you think that you can figure out your own way, your own answers to every dilemma, every problem, every struggle that is going to come your way, you will find yourself sorely disappointed. Because you can't. I can't. I don't have enough strength to win the battles in my life. We have to have strength in the Lord. We have to depend on God for it, in His might. And then in verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. You need to be armored up. Don't think you can survive just in, in your own good intentions or your own good discipline. I don't care how far up you pull your bootstraps. I don't care how, how disciplined you are with, with this or that or the next thing. You need more than your own armor. You need the armor that God provides. Why? Because who is your adversary? The wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. Yeah, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Here's the thing, guys. This is, this is really... Um, this is really bottom line stuff right here. When you are in a struggle, when you are in difficulty, maybe you're in disagreement, you're in argument with someone else, that struggle is not against flesh and blood. You hear that? Husbands, your struggle, your argument is not against your wife. Wives, you are not battling, fighting your husband. Parents, your struggle is not with your children. It's not with your boss. It's not with your co-workers. Your struggle is against our enemy, the devil. We're going we're gonna to come back to Ephesians chapter 6, but real quick, I want to just, just pop over to 1 Peter chapter 5, and, and you don't need to turn there. I'll read it to you if you'd like, but... In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, starting in verse 8, understand here, this obviously, Peter is different than Paul. You're like, duh, yeah. No, I mean like they're really different, you know? Like, like Peter is vinegar and, and Paul is like, he's like lemon juice. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just different. But you mix them together and you get a really good vinaigrette, right? Oil, whatever it is. I totally blew that joke. Spiritual warfare. <laughs> Peter's just different. He writes differently. He thinks differently. He acts differently than Paul. He and Paul had a little bit of contention at one time. He's a different cat than Paul. But, but, what we're going to see here, he is under the same inspiration by the same Holy Spirit. Take a listen to this and see if this doesn't ring familiar. Verse 8. 
Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your own brotherhood in the world. Your enemy, gang, is the devil. It is Satan. That is your adversary. You see, the thing is, he knows his number's up. He knows he's lost. He knows what happened on Calvary 2,000 years ago. He saw what happened on the cross, and he saw what happened when the stone was rolled away and Jesus Christ rose on the third day. He knows that sin and death have been erased and that salvation is free to all who would simply believe. And so now he's a cornered dog. In many ways, you might know the feeling if you've ever been standing next to a swimming pool or the side of the river or the lake and your friends start to come at you with a mischievous look on their eyes. And how do, you, how do you fight back? What do you do? You try and drag as many of them in with you as you can, right? I had the opportunity that we, we just got back yesterday afternoon, we just got back from um, the, the high school youth overnighter. We did this like mini, um, mini retreat, we did this overnighter. Um, Super fun, super quick, super exhausting. But one of the things that we got to do was we took the high schoolers, about 15 of them, we took them to Eagle Island. And over there right now, they've got this big snow machine. They've got these big inner tube-like courses over there. It's pretty cool. And so we took them there, and they're all inner tubing. Now, I've been having um, some uh, nerve issues going on in my neck and my shoulder recently. And so the doctor and the, and the chiropractor, they were like, yeah, you're, you shouldn't do any of that stuff. And, and I was kind of bummed about that. Um, because it meant that I had to kind of just hang out with the, the, the other parents while all the kids were up there like having fun down the hill, right? And, um, but just like Mike was saying, you know, sometimes distance gives you perspective. And so I got to see some really cool things happen. You know, first I see like everyone's going, and this is such, it's like so American. Like they just get on this conveyor belt and they don't even have to move. They just stand there. <laughs> And, and then, you know, you get to the top, it dumps you out, and you might have to take like four steps, you know, to get to the edge of the cliff where they're going to let you go, you know. But, so they all, they're, they're all riding up there, and I'm, and I'm watching them, you know, and they're going down first alone, and then first they're going like, maybe, maybe two or three at a time. You know, they've all got their inner tube, and they'll, they'll hang on to each other's tubes, and then they're just kind of going down together. Well, soon they're going down four and five at a time, and soon they're going down ten at a time. And the next thing I know, I look up there, and there's this massive tangle of, I think, like all 15 kids on these tubes, and they're just like strapped and tied and holding on to each other. And then there's these, there's these guys up there, these workers up there, and their whole job is basically to kick kids down the hill, right? <laughs> Or, or give them a spin or just whatever, you know. But, and there's, there's like four different lanes that you, can, that you can go down. And they're all kind of staggered, you know, like steps. So you're up on this cliff. There's these four lanes. And, and so our kids are all, they're all bundled up. They're all tangled up. And these, these workers, these helpers, they're trying to get our, all of our kids to go down at once. Because, I mean, you think about that much, you know, mass and the weight and all that, you know, pulling forward. There's a lot of, you know, physics-y types of words that I don't, I'm, not, I'm not associated with. Um, that stuff's going to happen, you know, it's science, right? And it's going to be fun. But what happened was, as they start to 
push these, this tangled web of kids over the edge of this cliff, things started to get unruly and things started to get crazy and, and then half of the kids started falling into the second lane and the other half was going into this lane and so things are going crazy and, the, and these poor workers are trying to like keep them safe and the next thing you know they're actually bailing onto the tubes with our kids to save their own dear lives and, and this big tangled web of tubes starts coming down the mountain and everyone down around me they're all looking at they're going yeah you know and I'm just like cool you know that's that's and, and they all come down in this big tangled web. But, but it's funny, but gang, that's exactly what Satan wants to do with you. He wants to get you caught up. He wants to get you tangled up. He wants to get you pushed out of your lane. He wants to get you pushed over the edge. He wants to get you pulled in to whatever he's going to do. Because you see, he knows he can't have you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He knows that Jesus bought you and paid for you with his own blood. He knows he can't have you. But if he can pull you down, if he can distract you, if he can tempt you, if he can influence you, he doesn't have to have you. And he can take a lot down with him. And that's why this fight is good. That's why this battle is, is difficult, but that's why it's worth fighting. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, how do we fight this battle? Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13, says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. How do we fight this battle? First of all, with the armor of God. Again, it has to be his armor. You and I, we are not strong enough in and of ourselves. We need his strength. We need his armor so that we might be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. In verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The center of you, that belt, it should be truth. It should be what holds your life together, Christian. Truth. And I know that in the midst of a fight, lies are really tempting. In the midst of an argument, in the midst of a battle, lies, misleading, manipulating, can seem very effective. It's very tempting to, to mislead or, or say things just so or manipulate a situation or flat out lie just to win a fight, just to win an argument. You know, that's often why I, I, I discourage people from fighting because when we get to that level, man, we're doing stuff we don't even believe is true. We're saying things we don't believe is true. 
Having an argument, gang, real quick, having an argument isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's a natural thing to have a disagreement with someone. You have a different perspective than anyone else in the world. No wonder that's going to happen in your marriage or with your kids or, or with coworkers or with family. But just because you have an argument, that's not necessarily a bad thing. An argument can be fun, right? Who has a better French fry, McDonald's or Chick-fil-A? That's kind of a fun conversation to have. We probably should do some research, you know? <laughs> That's an argument. You have your opinion, I've got mine. But when it turns into a fight, that's when we start saying things we don't believe. That's when lies come out. That's when, that's when manipulation comes out. And our words don't always match up with the facts. He says, no, 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 no. You fight with truth, Christian. When you have a disagreement with someone, when you're battling, you're not battling flesh and blood. You're not battling your husband. You're not battling your wife. You are battling the enemy, and he wants you to play just as dirty as him. You hit him with the truth. You say, I'm going to go into this conversation, and I'm only going to speak true words. We're going to sit down, and we're going to have this argument, but I'm, I'm only going to say true words. I am not going to manipulate, and even if I lose, I will lose holding on to the truth. The truth is what holds everything together. Because honestly, when you start letting out the lies and you start letting out the, the mis misleading, uh, manipulative words, you know what usually happens? You become embarrassed. You lose your belt, your pants fall down, and you become embarrassed. It's the truth, isn't it? You've been embarrassed in a lie before, so have I. Keep your pants on, put your belt on, keep it true. The belt of truth. And then he says, having the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate, it's like the, the bulletproof vest that covers all, covers all your vital organs, protects your heart. Because the enemy, that's what he wants to do. He wants to hit you in the heart. And so for you to think that in your own strength, you're strong enough, boy, that's foolishness. That's like saying, I can do enough bench presses and make my pecs so strong, I'll be bulletproof. That's stupidity. <laughs> that's foolishness. No, instead, instead here, you put on whose righteousness? The righteousness of Christ. Because that's what can protect your heart. Because when the enemy goes at your heart and says that, that, that you are worthless... When the enemy goes for your heart and says you are unlovable or you're not pretty enough, when the enemy goes at your heart, you need the righteousness of Christ that defends you and protects you and says, no, you are priceless. You are loved. You are accepted. You, you are a pearl of great price. You, you are precious in my sight. We need to have the righteousness of Christ, defending our hearts. Verse 15, he says, And have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have to have the, the correct footwear, gang. You're going into battle, you have to have the right footwear. But, but, we're not talking, we're not talking um, your stomping boots. 
Christian, when you go into battle, you are not on a war path. We walk in peace. If you know that you're going to go home and you're going to be walking into an argument, you walk in peace. You don't stomp into that room. I've made that mistake plenty of times. I've made that mistake even with my kids stomping into that room. No, parent. You walk in peace. We're not on a war path, Christian. We don't have our stomping shoes so we can do as much damage to someone as we possibly can. No, he says, you, you be prepared with the gospel of peace on your feet. You be ready to walk in peace and share God's love when you walk into difficulties, when you walk into uh, 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 arguments, discussions, and disagreements. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This one always blows my mind. The shield of faith. Because what is faith? Can you show me a pound of faith? You know? It's nothing that can be grasped. Okay, so take up the invisible shield. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the point is, what what he's getting at here is, listen, you're going to need faith or trust in God in order to defend yourself from what the enemy is trying to do to you. You will have to have the trust in God in order to defend yourself because the enemy, again, he can't have you, but he can influence you. He can tempt you. He can throw doubt your way. He can whisper lies into your ears. But if you have the shield of faith, if you have the shield of faith that says, no, God has better for me, No, I believe the promises in the Bible. No, I believe that God's way is best. Then no matter what fiery dart comes at you, how many darts does it it quench? This is when you all start looking down in your Bibles. How many? All of them. There is no argument. There is no doubt. There is no temptation that that the, the enemy can throw at you that faith cannot quench. But it's trusting in God and not trusting in yourself. Trust in God. Have that shield of faith. And when those temptations come, when those fiery darts are fired your way, you hold up your faith in Jesus Christ. And you just say, no, there's better for me. That can't touch me. He says, take on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. This is important because, you know, it's... Okay, football season, it's just about over, well, it's over now. But, but imagine if both teams wore the same uniform and had the same helmet. No logos on the side. Do you know how frustrating and confusing that would be to try and watch? Imagine being a quarterback. There's 22 guys out there. Who am I supposed to throw it to? Your helmet tells you who you are. And our helmet is of salvation. You remember, you guard your mind with the knowledge that you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are saved. Your home is not this earth. Your home is heaven. Colossians says, we ought to fix our eyes on things above. Not on things of this world. 
But if I've allowed myself to get into an argument or a disagreement because of things that are of this world, if I've allowed myself to be carried away in temptation for worldly things, it's because I don't have my helmet of salvation on. I've forgotten that, that I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and that I represent, I live. My home is truly in heaven, not here on earth. And then he says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That is your weapon, Christian. The word of God. I wish there were a different way to say it, but I, I can't. You just have to read your Bibles, guys. You need to become familiar with your weapon. Years ago, I had a friend, and he started to get kind of caught up in gun culture, right? Nothing about that or whatever, but, but he started to, like, shoot guns for the first time, and he thought it was really cool, you know? And it was, it was kind of fun. We'd go shooting together, and, and he had this rifle, and, and he thought he knew how to use his weapon, and so he puts his eye up right to the scope. <laughs> Emmett Idaho knows, right? He puts his eye up right to the scope and he pulls the trigger. Black eye, man. Pops that thing so hard. He didn't know how to use his weapon. But Christian, you're going to hurt yourself if you don't know how to use the word of God. The word of God will hurt you if you don't know properly how to handle the Word of God. You realize this thing is a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways, and we have to be careful with it. We have to learn it and understand it. Gang, it is your weapon. It is what you will use to fight off the enemy with. You and I, we are not in a position of only defense. Understand that. We have a weapon. It is the word of God. But if you are unfamiliar with your weapon, then you are lacking. You got to read your Bibles, guys. I got to read my Bible. We all must read and understand Scripture more. It's the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray a lot, always, he's saying, and keep others first. Pray always and keep others first. Again, I wish there were a simpler, more polite way to say this, but you really do need to pray every single day. You need to spend time with the Lord in prayer. And I don't, want it to be a, I don't want it to be a work. I don't want it to be like you have to read so many chapters or you have to have so many minutes worth of prayer. I don't care if you read one verse a day. If that's, if that's all you can handle stomach for right now or understand, that's cool. That's so cool. That's fine. But be in your word every day and spend time in prayer every day. Get to know your Lord because, because this, is, this is our communication to our, our great leader, our commander, our king. It's prayer. If we're supposed to battle this direction or battle that direction or go here or go there, we have to understand his leading and that only comes through prayer. And then more importantly, or as importantly, he says, making perseverance for the supplication for all the saints including the saint you're arguing against, 
including the saint that you have a disagreement with. Pray for them. Be in prayer for them. Persevere in that. I don't want to pray for them. You've got to pray for them. You have to put other people's needs before your own. You are not some kind of lone, rogue commando out on the spiritual battlefield. I, I, as cool as that looks in movies sometimes, it's not realistic. We need each other's help. You need to be praying for all the saints, including the ones you don't agree with. Verse 19, and I love, I included these two verses because I just love Paul's heart in here. Verse 19, it says, And for me, that utterance may be given, or that the opportunity to speak, might be given to me, uh, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, and that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is a prisoner here. He's writing from a prison cell. He's, he's chained. He is, he is stuck. And he's like, guys, all I want to do is preach the gospel. Pray that somebody would come into my cell and I could preach them the gospel. He is even in prison, even in his chains. He's saying here, I want to keep fighting this fight. I want to keep preaching the gospel. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I've, I've had you know, a lot of jobs since I started working, but sometimes there were jobs where I was just like, I just wish nobody walked through the door right now. You know? I just wish nobody, nobody, no phone calls come through right now. You know? But Paul's perspective on life is, I just want someone else to share the love of God with. Imagine waking up with that feeling. Imagine waking up every day looking for that opportunity. Who's someone I can bless today? Who is someone I can share the gospel with today? What opportunity do I have to take ground against the enemy by sharing the gospel? There's one more thing that's important for us to remember, important for us to consider. And it's back in chapter 4 of Ephesians. And I... We're looking at it last. Paul puts it first because it's that important, and so that's why I want to look at it and let this be the last thing that we walk away with. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, starting in verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring in, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We need unity. We need unity. If we're going to fight the good fight, 
If we're going to withstand what the devil is trying to throw at us, we need unity. We need to be marching together. We need to be side by side. We need to be there to help each other. You need, I need sometimes someone to come alongside me and tell me, listen, this is how to use your sword better. This is what this word of God means in that situation. Sometimes I need someone to come alongside me and say, your belt is getting a little loose. You need to tighten up the truth in your life. We need people to come alongside us and tell us you are marching on a war path. Put on the gospel of peace on your feet. We need the help, guys. And we're supposed to be here for each other. One body one spirit, one calling, one hope, one faith, one baptism. I'm not just saying this because cool things are happening here at Calvary Chapel Emmett. If you haven't noticed, our entire town is coming into a new season. All you have to do is look out on what used to be pastures or used to be orchards and you can see houses springing up like goat weeds or like uh, goat heads. Yeah. <laughs> right? Here's what's funny. They don't know about goat heads. <laughs> but they will. They're going to know, right? <laughs> That's what's kind of funny. Our town is changing, gang. Our community is changing. It's a new season. Our world is changing. It's a new season. Are things changing here at Calvary Chapel Emmett? Some things are, yeah. Some things are changing. We're going to have a greater opportunity to share the gospel with a new building to offer the community. Do you guys realize, you understand, that, that what we are being given the opportunity to do hasn't been done in this town in decades? That a new church would be built for the community to come and gather in? So many other churches have tried and God has allowed us to continue to move forward. Our guys were out there just a couple days ago burning stuff down because we need to start moving dirt. That's an incredible thing we get to do. And it's not just our church, guys. We're part of the Gem County Ministerial Association. That is, that is we hang out with other churches and pastors who are like-minded. We share in the faith. And other churches in this town are also being blessed. They're also growing. And we're excited about that. Because we're excited about the unity of walking in faith. It's not our church is better than your church. It's look what we get to do for Jesus Christ. It's look at the help we have now. We're excited about this, guys. But in your personal life, the way that you and I can apply this to our personal lives is to always remember, to always understand that your disagreement, your argument, the, the battle you have against that person in front of you is not with that person. If, if your argument, if, if your disagreement ultimately comes down to the gospel, that's a big difference there, okay? If you're fighting over who gets to use the TV remote, you're on your own. But if, if your argument, if the, if the difficulty that you're having ultimately comes down to the furtherance of the gospel in your family, in your life, in this community, then understand you are not battling that person. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. Our enemy is Satan. 
And he wants to tangle us up. He wants to pull us in, pull us over the edge. But we have a way to fight, and it's a good fight. I know it's hard. I know sometimes it's scary too. Do I want to volunteer for that ministry? Do I want to get involved in that thing? Do I want to go out and, and, and start helping with this or doing that? I know it's difficult. I know it's scary. But guys, it's a fight that's worth fighting. It's the fight of faith. It's the furtherance of the gospel. Paul said, just let me add him one more time that I can preach the gospel even in my chains. That's the opportunity that we get. Pastor Mike's not going anywhere. He'll continue to, to serve here. What I really love about what we get to do right now during the spring season is he lets his kids um, uh, that are in school, they're going to finish school, and then, and then they'll have an opportunity to, to, to really sabbatical. But he gets to kind of like take a break. And, and, and so myself and, and Marty and Lyle and Hugh and Melissa and the rest of us staff, we get training wheels during this spring, right? Where if we need to lean on Mike for something, we can lean on him for something. You know, if we need to say, hey, what do you think about this? He's going to be there. And he'll be up here teaching. Okay? We don't know how much or how often, but here's what we know about teaching here at Calvary Chapel. We know you guys need the Word of God. And we are committed to continuing to teach and preach the Word of God verse by verse. In context, with as good a theology as we can get. We're going to continue to do that because we know you guys, we need the nourishment as well. New season here? Absolutely. Scary? Maybe. Don't worry, though. Don't worry, though. Trust God. Good things are happening. And I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm excited. I'm excited because I know, you know, listen, like, I'm not, the, not all the burdens coming down on me, too. Every one of the guys in the office over there can teach. In fact, I know a lot of you, I know some of you guys here that you, could, you should be planting churches right now, you slackers. We are in a good spot. We're excited. But the battle is the battle's coming. If it's not already here in your life, the battle's coming. But it's a battle worth fighting. Put on the armor of God. Remember who your enemy is. Walk in unity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you would give us this, this Lord, um, wonderful encouragement, this sound advice, Lord, this, this even difficult truth, Lord, that we don't live on a playground, Lord, we live in a battleground. Thank you for warning us. And thank you for giving us the keys to victory. Thank you, Jesus, that you won the victory, Lord, and that we don't have to fight for victory. We fight from victory because you liberated us all. So thank you, God. And so now as we transition into this time of, of worship and reflection, Lord Jesus, as we take communion together, help us, Lord, to see, help us to remember what you did to win the battle what you did to buy us out of our slavery and how you empower us to go forward in victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.